0: The gift of no, part three, faithful, Romans chapter eight. So in the first two parts, we dealt with three gifts that God gave. Three gifts. This is Romans chapter eight. And the first one to go over it is the gift of no condemnation. Verses one and verse two. Then the gift of no defeat. Verses three to 14. He always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And then verse 15 to verse 23 is the gift of no Well, we've got four gifts that we want to do in the remaining part of Romans chapter 8. And so the first one, just to give you an overview, is the gift of no despair. Verses 24 to 27, no calamity. That's like a a destructive event in your life, uh, a huge uh, loss. Verses 28 to 30, no calamity. The gift of no adversary that will overcome you. Verses 31 to 34. And then the gift of no separation. Verses 35 to 39. And as we're going through this Bible study, and we're used to coming to Bible study and opening the Bible, and you can get so used to that, that you neglect to practice what you hear about in Bible study. And I would exhort you to take these gifts these are gifts from god we're not just making up something to talk about these are gifts from god because the nature of god we have to understand this he's a gift giver god loves to give gifts we were just talking about my brother-in-law and he was he wants to give a gift and you know he is quite a gift giver my brother-in-law he's a pastor as well but he loves to give and what does anyone know the date offhand? I know it's 2021, but the no the numerical date, 316, mm. for God so loved the world that he did what he gave because the motive of God is love. So when you love people, you want to give unto them. So the Bible said that when this Samaritan woman met Jesus in John chapter four and verse said, uh, 10, he said, if Thou knewest the gift of God. He, He's like, you don't know me. And who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink. Thou would have asked of him. And he would have given thee living water. So Jesus was saying, you just don't know who I am. I am a gift giver. So in uh, a little bit about gifts before we start. You can't buy God's gifts. Don't try it. You can't buy it. In... The book of Acts, there was a man named Simon and he was a sorcerer. And when he saw people being filled with the Holy Ghost, there was an evidence of that, right? So he saw people being filled with the Holy Ghost, no doubt speaking in other tongues. And he talked to the uh, Apostle John. He's like, hey, here's some money. I want to I wanna buy this power that when I pray for people, then they'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You can't buy God's gifts. You can't buy the stuff in Romans chapter 8. Well, God, I, I'm going I'm I'm to put some money away and I'll give an offering. You can't afford it. <laughs> but one thing we do need is attitude change. Because we need to stop saying, I need to earn this. Say, Preacher, but I'm not good enough. Sometimes people think they're not good enough to receive God's God's gifts. Well, you're not. (laughs) But God's good enough. And God is the gift giver. All we need to do is lift our hand out and say, Thanks, God. I don't see if my daughter's good enough. I just love to give to my daughter. Why? Because it's fun. And so John had an attitude change. John had a little bit of a problem with prejudice. John, not John. You know that god uses imperfect people he absolutely does this same john that was praying for the holy ghost to come down in the samaritans do you know that when jesus was going through samaria in the book of luke the samaritans were not hospitable to jesus there was a problem between the jews and the samaritans we still have problems lingering today between different people well they didn't want to receive him into their village same samaria different john and you know what john said to jesus lord wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them god will kill them in the name of jesus you know that was what john wanted to do to the samaritans and jesus had to take him aside calm down son of thunder (laughs) the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives but to save them, and they went to another village, right? Some people are just gonna treat you wrong. You know that, that, that John said, God, kill them. And you know what, what happened in, in the book of Acts? Still in Samaria, right? What was, God, what was John praying to do? John had an attitude change and became more like Jesus. Instead of praying for fire to come down and consume them, the same John was praying for the fire of the Holy Ghost to come down and fill them instead of saying god kill them we should be praying the same thing god fill them god fill them with repentance fill them with love fill them with grace fill them with mercy so preacher but they're bad i know that that's what they need they need god they need god and they need it from hearts of those that have received the gifts of god man when you get a bunch of gifts you just feel good if you ever just had so many gifts. There was a man named DL Moody who was a preacher, and God was blessing him so much. You know what he prayed? Now I don't have this problem, okay? But God was blessing him so much, and he said, "God, stop!" Why? Because there was so many blessings that God was. No, that's not my prayer. That's DL Moody's prayer. But you know what? When you just feel so wonderful and so loved that God is just pouring in everywhere, it just changes your attitude. So uh, you also can't work for. Gifts. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the nature of wages are that you earned it, right? You worked for it. You can't work for these gifts. Your paycheck is a blessing, but it's not a gift, right? You earned it. You worked for it. You went there. You, you got there early. You stayed late. But it's not like that with God. We have to understand God so that we can get what God has for us. God is a person. This religion is not a church, you know, uh, as far as Pastor Bigelow's viewpoint, a denomination. This is about getting something from Jesus. Get a gift from God. So also when you receive something, right, there's no boasting when you get a gift. When you get a gift, it's not all about you, right? The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Is it John Newton that said that saved a wretch like me. He didn't say I was a number one guy. No, he was a slave trader. He was a wretch. But he was saved by Jesus. And it said, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, it's interesting. When we realize that uh, the gift of God is there for us as a gift, it makes us to not boast. The last thing about gifts, stir it up. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. That's what we need to do when we come to the house of God. We need to grab God's gift. And if God's given you a gift... Like he gave me the gift of sarcasm. No, just kidding. Or the gift of gab. Right? No, people have those gifts. But if God gives you a gift, man, stir it up. Let it be stirred up like a fire to stir that fire up with the oxygen hit it so the flames come up. So that we can use those things that God gave us. Amen. So the first gift, verse 24. Oh, that's the fourth gift. The first one of tonight. Verse 24 to 27. No despair. The gift of no despair despair like you know if you get a flat tire it's a problem if you have no spare you'll be in despair if there's no despair but if you have a spare you can have hope right so despair is to no longer have any hope or belief that a situation will improve or change someone's tire was flat so I got the spare out and it was flat and it had a nail hole in it so (laughs) what do you do you have to go to get that fixed, right? But, but the Bible says we're given something, the gift of no despair. We have hope. The Bible says, for we're saved by hope. Something's going to change. But hope that is seen is not hope. Characteristic of hope. If I hope I have $100 in my wallet, um, I haven't seen it yet. Because if I see it, I don't have to hope for it. So we have to use faith to claim the things of God. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? And that would make no sense. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with that dirty word, patience, wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever go somewhere and someone says something and you don't even realize it, but later you're like, man, I needed that. And you didn't even know that you needed it. How many times have I gone to church or gone to a church conference? And I've told my wife, I said, wow, I never knew that I needed to hear some of those things. God knew. And I thought, man, where would I be if I hadn't gone to the conference? Where would I be if I hadn't gone to the church service? Because sometimes we just don't know what we need. But listen, the spirit also helpeth with our infirmities, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Have you ever prayed in the Holy Ghost? Well, you can't hear what you're praying, but the Holy Ghost can pray for you and what you need to pray, even though you don't know God knows. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God in jude it says this in chapter one because there's only one chapter but ye beloved verse 20 building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost that's in tongues and then it says keep yourselves in the love of god in the love of god and it says now unto him that's able to keep you from falling god is able to keep us from sinning well what's what do we need to do we need to keep our hope up we need to keep the gift of hope when you can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. When you can't see it. I like what Paul said when he was on that, that ship in the storm. He said, he said uh, I believe God. He said, God told me we're going to get rescued, and I believe God, whose I am and whom I serve. And he was encouraging other people, look, there's no break in the storm. Storms of life happen, but he's like, God made me a promise And he said, I've got a storm anchor. I preached that a while ago, but I've got a storm anchor in the storm and I've got hope. I've got the hope of his, the anchor of his promise that he made to me. And you know what? God's made his promises in his word. Amen. The gift, number five, the gift of no calamity. What's a calamity? Verses 28 to 30. A calamity is an event that causes great harm or suffering. Great harm or suffering. And you know that you know, when you go through something, you can get confused, right? There was a, a college student that came to a, a class, very difficult class in physics, and he had a sweatshirt on that said the letters B-I-A-K. And the professor looked at the college student and he looked, he looked like he was having a bad day. And he said, son, what do are, what are those letters mean? He said, B-I-A-K, professor, boy, am I confused. <laughs> and the professor said, that, that, that's interesting, but you don't spell confused with a K. You spell it with a C. And the student said, I guess you just don't know how confused I am. <laughs> so sometimes let the world can confuse us with the things that go on, but regardless of what happens... No one's able to pluck us out of the Father's hand. No one's able to pluck us out of Jesus' hand. We don't have to let the calamity or the event become a calamity. We still have hope. And we know that all things, I love this verse of Scripture. That's a gift. That's a gift. And we know that all things work together for good. Amen. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Because we can trust God. And you know that I love that verse. How many times do I send my wife a text? 828. Whether it's 828 in the morning, 828 in the evening. And I'll send her a text. Why? We know that all things, we know the scripture. We don't, you know, it's like, you know, if you see people that really know the Bible, they can just talk back forth in scriptures. 828 Romans 316 John. And they don't even have to say the scriptures. Uh, There was a lady that was telling me that they used to quote, I think, Shakespeare or something like that. But just the verses. They knew the plays so well that they could just quote the, the verses back and forth. Like, you know, the first sonnet or different. That's amazing. But, you know, we quote 828 because we know that all things work together for good. For good to them that love God. We, don't, we have the gift of no calamity. So a preacher, that's bad, I know, but I can still, in everything I can give thanks. Not for everything, not everything's good, but in everything I can give thanks. Why? Because I've got the gift of no calamity. God's going to do something. And a lot of times when bad things happen, they happen to build our character, man. God knows. And they're no fun, but God knows. For whom he did for, foreknow. He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's interesting. Whom he did foreknow. So God has foreknowledge of the future. He said to then he did predestinate. We talked about that on Sunday. Predestination is never that of the individual conformity to the will of God, unto salvation without your choice. That's not predestination of the Bible. OK, you have a choice. Predestination is that God has predestined a plan. What is that plan? That we receive what Christ did on the cross and the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of sins and receive atonement and receive the adoption of sons and daughters and receive salvation as a what? Gift. That's what predestination is. The plan, we are predestined. God has predestined a plan. The plan was set before the foundation of the world. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before the earth was made, a plan was made. That's the predestiny. The plan. And all that conformed to the plan will be saved. All that reject it will be damned. It's the plan, not the act of the will that is predestined. Some people say, well, some people are going to be saved and some people won't be saved, but you won't know until later. That is so dumb. And you know what? That is exactly what some people believe even now. And some Christians believe that. And you know, well, you just weren't meant to be saved. You know, I talked to a guy who is a imam and uh, not my mom, but my mom was there and then imam was there. And the imam is not a mom Oh, I'm going to catch this if someone listens to it wrong. An imam is not a mom on the internet, you know, like eHarmony, imam. No. An imam is a Muslim preacher, okay? I-M-A-M. And I spoke with him in Orlando. My parents were taking these kids around. I don't frequent the mosque, okay? But they were going to different places of worship, so they went to a church. They went, these were exchange students from foreign countries. They went to a church, they went to a mosque, and they went to a synagogue. So, and I got to go to the synagogue And the mosque, which was pretty cool, because I've never been in, I think, either one, a mosque or a synagogue in Orlando. I've been to churches, so I didn't go with them to the church. Churches are cool, but I've been there and done that. Got the T-shirt, so. So I talked to, there were some kids, and the imam was speaking and answering questions about Islam, and someone, one of the students asked, well, how do you know if you're gonna be saved for eternity? and so the imam now this is the imam that said this not me and this is pretty general knowledge of islam they said well after you die he said you don't know you don't know if you're going to be uh you're not going to ever know in this life he said there's going to be a judgment after you die and you're going to be judged your works are going to be judged and only after that will you be judged by god to know whether you're going to receive a reward or go to hell or and i was like That's no fun. I mean, it's just like lotto. I mean, you just don't know. But you see, with God, there is no predestiny like some are going to be saved and some are going to be lost. The plan is predestined. I want to be very clear about that. Because some people think, well, if it's just not meant to be, they say, whatever will be, will be. No. We have a choice to be a Christian. We have a choice. And God, uh, the Bible says, uh, I don't know if I have that right here. No, maybe I don't. Maybe I have it next, but God desires for all men to be saved. But uh, also, I want to share about this. I've got a few more minutes. So, uh, God, it says, whom he did for, them. you know that God shapes the future. God knows the future, but God influences the future. And in Esther, it says, in chapter 4, verse 14, if you remember that great book, people didn't know she was a Jew, and Mordecai, her relative, told her, you have to go talk to your husband, the king. And she's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I could die if I go in there and he doesn't accept me and extend the scepter. And and he said this to her. He said in Esther chapter 4 and verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Now, that's interesting because a lot of people think that God just, you know, micromanages the future. You see, what God's going to shape is the event. And Mordecai, he knew this. He said, look, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. But God's will is going to come to pass. And God will shape the future. That doesn't mean that every event is predetermined. We all have a choice. I played chess with a guy who's better at chess than I am. And uh, there was a point where I was going to beat him, right? I think I took his queen, which is a big deal in chess. And so I lost. <laughs> it, no, it seems like that with God. You can think, you can make a move, and God will make a move. You can make a move. Guess what? God's going to win. But we do have the opportunity. To make a move but you see not there is a balance between god's sovereignty and man's responsibility we need to just do what we need to do god's gonna do what he needs to do and uh isn't that why ufc is so popular because you don't know who's gonna win oh this one's gonna win but the other guy or the other lady they have a choice what they're gonna do too and conor mcgregor didn't always win sometimes he lost and people thought he was the heavy favorite but the other person they have an opportunity. To throw some hits in. Just like when if you ever wrestled with God. Well, he's going to win, right? <laughs> but you can get a blessing like Jacob. Say, well, you know what? I know you're going to win. God saw that, you know, Jacob was such a wrestler that God had to use his superpowers, right? He had to touch the hollow of his thigh because he saw that he didn't prevail. But then Jacob's like, I ain't going to let you go till you bless me he wanted a blessing from god you're not going to win against god if you can't beat him you might as well (laughs) join god and that way god can influence the future and that's what's called prophecy god can make a prophecy and it'll just come to pass there's a scripture that came to mind in isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9 and it's speaking of jesus After he was crucified, and he made his grave with the wicked. Jesus? And with the rich in his death. Now, those two don't seem to line up, do they? Like opposite extremes. Well, how can it say that? Well, he was crucified with whom? Thieves. And he was a criminal. Where do criminals make their grave? With the wicked. Criminals are wicked. That's why they've been... So, he was appointed, no doubt, to a mass grave or whatever they... They buried the wicked, so he made his grave. He was appointed to where the wicked were until, you see, but God is still influencing the future. So a man named Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate and said, hey, I know he's been appointed to grave with the wicked, but can I have the body? And Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man, so he took his body and he and Nicodemus, another disciple, wrapped it and laid it in a brand new tomb that had never been used. God's Word came to pass. You see, God doesn't... It might not be the first man. Who was the first man? Saul. And he didn't do it, did he? But then God, it says in uh, Acts chapter 13, and verse 22, he said, I found David, the son of Jesse, number two man. A man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. What if David didn't do it? God would just raise someone else up. God's going to find a man or woman to do his will. God knows the future. And second is sobering. Uh, God knows. But the Bible says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And it's interesting. You know, there's a call in all of our lives. And some of us, uh, maybe it's to the ministry. But God has a call on your life. God has a call on everyone's life. He desires that none should perish but all come to repentance. God has a call. Maybe it's to the ministry, but you see, when God calls, he does something, he justifies you. And then it's not done yet, but God's going to glorify us one day. And it's going to be a blessing to be glorified. There's no calamity. God has a plan for the future. The, ver- the, the last two gifts, let's we'll see if I can run through them in four minutes. The gift of no, adversi- uh, no adversary, verse 31 to 34. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a rhetorical question. That's when you say something, it sounds like a question, but it's really a statement. You don't need an answer. And I don't know if your parents, uh, you know, does someone need to clean this room up? That's really not a question, is it? That's a statement. And the apostle said, if God be for us, who can be against us? It was a statement, not a question. And it's true. If God's on your side, man, you're going to win. And any, any person, man or woman in God, you're a majority in any situation. Take the gift of no adversary. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? A lot of rhetorical questions. Those are statements. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know that God ever liveth, the Bible says, to pray for you. God, so isn't it something to think that Jesus is praying for you? Now it's one thing, hey, pastor, pray for me. It's another thing, if Jesus is praying for you, God is going to the Father saying, they didn't mean that, Lord. They didn't mean that, Father. <laughs> Give him another chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on him. God is making it. That's good to know. And the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord... He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, we don't need to focus on fighting the enemy. We need to focus on pleasing God. God will take care of our enemies. We don't have to fight them. God will just make them have peace with us. Maybe they'll make them scared of us. Who knows? The gift, the last thing, the gift of no separation. Now, God can separate us from things. And really... When we get stuck to God, when I asked my wife to marry me, I basically said no to every other woman in the world. I'm going to separate myself from you. And I'm I'm very careful how I act around women. And she said no to every other man. And we joined together and we were also separated from other types of friendships after we got married. But God's the same way. When you come to God, there's no separation. No one can separate you from God, but... God will also separate us from other things that would hinder our walk with God. Verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, and here's a long list of things that won't do it, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep, For the slaughter. You know when God takes something negative away from your life? I was telling my wife about this and I rolled it by her. You know, when you have one and you minus a negative, one minus minus one, you know what? It's actually a positive, isn't it? So it's actually two, it's not zero. And God will take negative things out of our life to make a net positive. For our life, and so if God's taken something out of your life, say, Hey, thank you, Jesus. I probably needed that. I don't know, understand why now, but God knows. And the Bible says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that did what? Loved us. When Gabriel was speaking to Daniel uh, in the book of Daniel, believe it or not, the book of Daniel, he said, Daniel, he said, Thou art greatly beloved. Isn't that something? He said, God loves you. Before the prophecy was, you know, we need to know that God loves us. Not just like, well, God's going to save you, but he really doesn't care about you because you're a mess. No, God loves you. Daniel, God loves you. You're in in captivity. God loves you. God cares about you. It's good to know that we're loved. For I am persuaded, the Bible says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither... Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.